You should do this at least once every two months. Yeah, it's really good for the Sunday scaries, too. Absolutely. Or just be like me and go to like four a week. You can't co- possibly keep up with James. It's like trying to keep up with him drinking. Just don't. Don't try. Don't. Don't try. <laughs> you can't. What are you trying to say? <laughs> that you are a tank. This is High Decibels. recaps in New York City and beyond. So how many times have you heard me say, this is where our theme music would go if we had it and we're having it soon. I promise, blah, blah, blah. Well, promise delivered. There it is. We love it. That is courtesy of Evan James, whose music we're going to link to in the show notes. Thank you so much, Evan. Fucking awesome. Love that. All right. So here we are back with another Hey You People. You're listening to High Decibels, an NYC-based live music podcast. We check out the artists we love at New York City venues and beyond and report back to you. I'm Marlia. And I'm James. And this song that you're listening to is Something Good Can Work by Tudor Cinema Club, who Marlia got to see at Hammerstein Ballroom on the 13th of September and who we'll be talking about today. And for more, follow us on Instagram for clips, picks, uh, clips and picks from the concert. Oh, so close! And also, uh, something new: we're now on Twitter, and uh, even more exciting is we're also on iTunes and Spotify. So please follow us, like, and share on there, and uh, give us some feedback on how you, uh, uh, how we're doing so far. Yes, please rate and review us because it really helps us out a lot. In addition to uh, newly having uh, theme music and newly having uh, arrived on Spotify, we have something else new today. We have a guest with us today who was also at the show. With, I can't even talk. Who was at the show with me uh, on the 13th? Welcome to Jude. Hey guys, I'm really excited to be here. This is my first ever time on a podcast. I'm super excited to be sharing this experience with Marlia, who I went to the show with last night. And uh, yeah, thank you, James and Marlia, for having me. We are so excited to have somebody with us today. We're trying this out, and uh, I think uh, this is something good that can work. Uh, Shut up. All right, so uh, we're going to get into this show right now. Uh, I want to talk about the venue a little bit. This is Hammerstein Ballroom, okay? So Hammerstein Ballroom is across the street from the much larger Madison Square Garden. Um, I don't know what the capacity is. Like, James, what would you say? A couple thousand, maybe 2,000, something like that. Three tops. So, I mean, it's like your kind of standard, like, concert, like, ballroom space where it's like, you know, you've got, like, the big uh, whatever mural thing on the ceiling. Was there a, I don't know, some sort of lighting fixture? I don't remember. Yeah, no, uh, it's got a big, gorgeous vaulted ceiling. Um, I've only actually been there once, so I can't really comment too much much on it. I did get to see Ratatat there in, I think, 2015. Um, I know it's uh, it's also used for like other big events, so there's a lot that goes on there. But they also get a lot of really great concerts, as we'll talk about today. So they do also have uh, seating as well. If you're a lame, no, I'm kidding. Um, but they do have it. <laughs> James is G A all the way. Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I actually saw them recently. I mentioned on the last episode uh, I was there to see the Rock and Tours. Uh, however, this time I was allowed to have my cell phone. Thank God. 
God. Okay. Um, getting there is super easy. I mean, it's by Penn Station. You can figure that one out. Uh, bathrooms are clean. Uh, check-in was uh, pretty straightforward and solid. I don't feel like we really waited uh, too much. You know, it was... We, we had a little ticket issue. I don't know what that was about. Did you really? How, how early did you guys get there? We got there at, was it, 7.15? 705 on the dot ladies and gentlemen 705 so there was a weird little ticket thing where i had to get physical tickets but not a big deal and also you can add, we can add those to your little uh collage oh okay i actually didn't know that um did, that didn't happen during the rack on tour show no because mm, i remember so when i saw ratatat there i had to get physical tickets too so maybe it's just certain shows that make you do that i don't know but so we have this thing where um james has a lot of wall space and i have um recommended a very large mural uh involving set lists guitar picks if they're caught yeah no i I literally all the concerts i go to i never get guitar picks or anything it sucks you know a confetti just like various things i don't know i think that would be a beautiful tableau um okay so uh and i did not did not drink um that night but i have drank there before and i would say the prices are as you would expect high (laughs) <laughs> so know that um in terms of production value uh you know it's it's good you know i mean listen uh we're gonna get into it but tudor cinema club had a very very cool backdrop so hammerstein ballroom i mean it's not going to be the garden with its like crazy uh alien disc thing with the lights and lasers that shoot out of it um but it's it's pretty darn good and i have to say too um at one point when i did take my earplugs in that's sort of like a test for me is like if the sound isn't making my ears bleed then they're doing something right you know okay so uh let's talk about the crowd you want to i don't know what were your impressions and impressions of the venue too if you'd like i mean i feel like the venue was one of those like really original spaces it's kind of like gym meets opera house meets ballroom it was really fascinating and I, for me a venue is like a really important thing when i'm going to a show not only for like the sound quality and like can it support the crowd and like are, you know are the bathrooms clean and all that stuff it's just like the entire experience is is really revolves around how good the venue is and honestly like something else that i take pride in is that like my city has these really cool venues so it, for that, for me, it was a 10 out of 10. This was your first one, time there, right? This is my first time at Hammerstein Ballroom. And as Marlia said, like, you know, the drink prices were high, but I'm going to say they were not as high as I was. Hey. <laughs> Bingo. <Yeah. laughs> the crowd can also really determine, uh, like, you know, how the show goes for me. Absolutely. It was a younger crowd, I would say, for the most part. A little bit yes. on the nerdier side. Yes lots of um i don't know like i think some pretty like diehard fans were there people yes people yeah who've been seeing them for like years and you know i mean once they came on it was like the scream show started you know and people knew the lyrics it was it was loyal fans i thought that was really cool though um but for the most part people weren't really rowdy but they were willing to like be part of the show and i just can't stand it can't stand it when i'm like looking around a crowd and they look like they're just bored out of their minds. Like with the artists, you've come out here to support and like you want people to feel like they're enjoying the show. I can't imagine how hard it is to be on stage and have the crowd not like hyped up for you. 
Oh yeah, that would you be. Know, uh, just a quick interjection. I I have gotten to see Two Door Cinema Club before. They were one of the first acts that came through when Brooklyn Steel opened up, and I jumped on those tickets. I think it was 2016. And it's funny that you say that about the crowd because it's honestly the same thing that I thought three years ago when I saw them. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that that makes sense. Uh, consistent fan base. Um, try to get your mouth as close as to the mic as as he just did. Um, okay, so anyway, um, talking about uh, Tudor Cinema Club as a band uh, in and of itself. Um, so they're Irish, uh, indie rock band. Um, we've got uh, the lead singer uh, and also on guitar, that would be um, Alex Trimble. You have uh, Sam Halliday on lead guitar and Kevin Baird on bass and um there was a drummer and a keyboard player but i uh just don't know what their names no, are so the actual band itself is those three members and okay. generally they use a drum machine but uh-huh. uh touring they have a touring member for drums and keyboard right so um going over this band i, I would say like uh and and please like you know i know i know you're a fan and, and don't take this at you know harshly or whatever but uh, to me the band kind of has two speeds it's sort of like driving like a train speed and then like a sitting back speed and and i'll get into that um but anyway they're out promoting this new album uh which is called false alarm um which has a an album cover that i don't really understand um but that's fine um it has some like the thing about that i think is interesting about this album though is that um there is to be seems to be more of a like more disco funk type tracks which is cool because i didn't really see that on past albums which you know i'll kind of get into the sound of past albums when we get there but the guitar almost i don't know if you agree with this but their guitar almost sounds like reggae-ish at times do you, do you would you say yeah they bring in a lot of different influences and uh you know this is their fourth studio album so mm-hmm. it's good that they're branching out a little bit you know they don't make the same songs every album but it's it they do have a consistent sound at least which is something that i generally look for Right. So, um, yeah. So, again, I, I like this added element. And when we get into the set list, we'll kind of, kind of talk about the songs that, that had that sort of like disco-y vibe thing, which incidentally, like if you've listened to any of our past episodes, this is a thing that James and I have been talking about, how we're kind of like seeing that musical trend uh, become more and more popular. I don't know why, no, it's but it's a, a big thing. comeback. I don't know. Did Daft Punk start say, it? With, yeah, like, I've been saying. What's his name from Chic? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been <laughs> saying that, that for a little while. Name, you know uh, Daft, Daft Punk is kind of brought it back a little bit with, with the last with, couple uh, albums uh, lucky <laughs> yeah so you're seeing that a lot a lot of artists are starting to bring that in, right. into their influences so yeah thanks Daft Punk so I mean they have some relaxed songs they don't really do ballads so much it's like mainly up-tempo and dancing there's a fun party band really um, nothing too complicated there so anyway uh, I just want to add again um, I did not have to put my phone in a bulky ass canvas pouch this time so that was really nice um, though there was the part where the guitarist did tell us to like put our phones well, down yeah. for one minute and just like he did ask like can we just have this song for just us of course you know two seconds in three or four people to the left of us are just like no nah, i'm not gonna listen to that but i think it's like a cool there was thing a, to a put moment your phone away. and we'll, when we I get when we get to that song use my phone once just gonna put that out there uh kudos to you that's funny actually Florence of the Machine does the same thing yeah she she actually did do that for one song so anyway we'll 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 get to, to that when we get to that song um but anyway so that's just kind of an overview of of the band okay so um right now I have playing underneath me a song called 
uh, it's either Fool or The Fool, but in any event, um, this is a song by the opener, The Overcoats. And uh, initially, I, I, when I looked back in retrospect, I did see um, uh, like search results that included them, but I gotta be honest with you, um, when I initially searched for an opener, I could not find out who was opening for Tudor. Nobody around me seemed to know. And um, I don't know. I feel like there might have been like a, something slipped through the cracks there. Like someone didn't do the PR job because really that should just be everywhere who's opening for the band. But um, so they played their first song and I had no idea who they were. But this was an all girl band with two vocalists. One um, they both play guitar sometimes one more than the other. Uh, keyboard bassist and drummer. Um, I do not have the names of the backing musicians at this time, unfortunately, but I can tell you that the names of the two main um, the two main artists are uh, Hannah Elion and JJ Mitchell. Um, very talented. Now, when they first started, I was like kind of not really sure what what the deal was. Um, I was like, OK, this is like very breeders, sort of like very riot girl ish. Um, uh, you know, they had they like stole my heart instantaneously. So then so they played their first song and then then they said who they were. I think I shouted, who are you? I don't know if they actually heard me, but they said who they were. So, they, oh, the overcoats. Great. Um so they so they you know they played that song that was like that sort of shouty uh 90s riot are you familiar with that kind of music you ever listen to like bikini kill or like hole or yeah i'm a big fan of it like so did you did you get that vibe in the beginning absolutely right so i was that's what i thought was going to happen but then they then they like went into a couple of these like sort of shoegazy ballads it reminded me of this band called mazzy star who's also from the 90s these girls are very 90s and I don't know, they look pretty young, so I don't think they know it, but they're like very 90s. Well, also like very luscious. Right, so then what happened was, so they went from, that, so seeing to, to Nijuta, it was like they went from this vibe, from this sort of like riot girl, sort of shouty, not exactly wall of sound, but okay, so you know that song I played for you, Wolf Alice, that's like, you are me, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. What if it's not mad for me? And it's like that sort of like shout. So there was that going on, and I thought I was going to be listening to like the shoegazy punk uh, type music. And then what happened was it reminded me of those like wedding videos where the couple is like slow dancing, and then the DJ does that corny thing that's like, and then the couple goes into like the dance, like surprise, which is super corny. But what's not super corny is when a band that is playing kind of one of your favorite genres, which is this like girl punk shit from the 90s then goes into these beautiful like duets together and as Najib was just saying it reminded us of a band which is kind of a weird coincidence Najib and I last year went to see Portugal the Man Lucius which is another band open for them we hadn't heard of them but this band is like a duo uh, two women who I mean their vibe is definitely more like a mixture of like old soul and and like you know old time country but the idea is that these girls to us had a similar vibe which was like completely unexpected and both times I'm like completely high as a kite and these openers I'm not really totally sure who they are they come on stage and I turn on to Marley and I have goosebumps and I'm just like I'm 100% sold on these ladies fantastic I absolutely yeah 
Yeah, that's great. I always love that. That's that's sort of our whole always show up for the opener thing because, you know, you, you really never know who you're going to see. Um, you know, it is kind of nice to check them out beforehand, but I personally usually never check out, like listen to the Spotify of the opener beforehand if I don't know them because I like discovering somebody and I like having that moment like when you just said of where, you know, oh, this is really great. I'm going to listen to these guys now. It's a real cool moment of discovery. Yeah, and they've literally been on my Spotify this entire morning. And like Marlia was saying that they have this like really cool transition. You listen to their song called like 23 and then like switch over to the song called I Don't Believe in Us, the acoustic version. Different vibe, but they're like they've got a really gorgeous sound to them. So I guess the point here being is that um, they have an incredible amount of of range in terms of uh, stylistically, but I don't think it's so off the rails that it's like, who are you? Um, again, if you listen to one of our past episodes, uh, the Black Joe Lewis one, I had a bit of a problem with, uh, sort of like styles going all over the road with, with an opener, but that was like, the person was like literally using different voices to where it seemed like they were doing a, a, I don't know, multiple personality, one person show. I don't know. But this was not the case. I, I was completely fine with the, what it was like to me, it was like, if Lucius is like, incorporating elements from the 50s and 60s these two are incorporating elements from like I would say eh, late 80s 90s do you know what I'm saying like that that's kind of what I got from it um now I will say like again personal opinion here I, I don't think they're quite as tight as Lucius I don't know if they've been around though as long as Lucius like Lucius is a top it, they, they really are top-notch band not that this band's not good but what I would say was I would I would think that if these two bands play together I would say this band would open for Lucius as opposed to the other way around I got the vibe that they're actually a pretty new band uh, I think that they said they were like releasing their second album and they have a load of singles but Spotify only dates back to like 2015, 2017. So they're, I think they're pretty, you know, new still getting on their feet, which is great because I love discovering people like that. But yeah, still, still fresh. Right. So, I mean, listen, this is not to say that they're small potatoes. Like actually we had a very <laughs> interesting little surprise and that we had the pleasure of meeting uh, Lana's parents in the audience uh, who are very proud of her, as they should be. And I'm just kidding, I said Lana, and I meant to say Hannah. Was it Hannah's parents? It was Hannah's parents. I said Lana, and I didn't mean Lana. Yeah, we were uh, Hannah's parents. with a, a friend who's just very extroverted and like ended up having a conversation with a couple next to us. I kind of noticed them before when we were getting in line, and I was like, is this couple going to enjoy this concert? Like, how how long are they going to stick gonna around? We're just going to get real. This couple had, like, 30 years on everybody else. Yeah, the yeah, and they were clearly quiet, but they were, you know, had, like, this little, you know, look in their eye. They were definitely excited to be there, and then, uh, turns out, it's mom and dad. That's a good spot for you, by the way, just FYI, so remember that. I could hear you really well. Um, yeah, so we talked to them for a little bit, and I, and I actually did ask the question, because I don't care. I was like, so is this the biggest venue they've ever played? And Dad was quick to tell me, no, no, they've played the Barclays Center. You know what I'm saying? Like, So, you know, they're not small potatoes. Uh, but that being said. There's nothing wrong with being a potato. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, yeah, the, or small fries or whatever you want to say. The point is, is like, you know, they're an established band. Um, but again, like, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, does anyone really sing like the girls from Lucius? Like, can you know come on it's unbeatable 
gotta admit it it is really unbeatable you seem they seem to have like left a really like big mark on you mar huge but i guess not enough to pay 90 dollars at radio city music hall or have to sit in a chair i mean yeah if i was gonna pay that it's gonna be for like green day you know it's uh, yeah they they command a very high ticket price now this band like it's lucius is like one of those bands that like people that know them i I know this wasn't a lucius concert but an aside um the fans are so big they're willing to pay that kind of money um but they're not a household name they should be though um Anyway, so uh, I don't know. They just they had that sort of like I could be projecting, but they had that sort of opener energy where it's just like like they were being chill about it. But there was a little bit of that like wow factor that I didn't see in like the headliner. And I often see that with openers. It's like headliners. It's like, well, yeah, this is what we do all the time. It's like that's their reality. You know, it's interesting you say that because I also got that vibe too. like the minute that two door cinema club comes out, you do just see like a different energy, like the crowd's a little more condensed, the lights are a little wilder and there's just like this established energy. Like we do this all the time. They still are humble. You know, they'll thank the crowd. But But that's their reality. That's their reality. Like Whereas for an opener, there is that a bit of like they're so grateful to be there. And I love that. I love that. Well, not to mention the headliner knows that everybody's there for them specifically. You know, maybe there's a handful of people that are like, No, 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 I'm gonna come here to see them and I'm gonna stick around for two door cinema club. Or maybe they know both, but you know, the vast majority of people there are there for you if you're the headliner. Well, let me let me let me put it to you this way, James. The one time I've ever seen opener energy on a headliner was probably when Tame Impala played the Garden because he was like, "I can't fucking believe I'm playing the Garden." Yeah, you know it's what I mean? It was deal. like that. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, in closing, um, great style, great presence, unexpected moments, wide range. I imagine that they, I don't know why, probably because of their look. I imagine these two make bomb music videos. I haven't looked yet, but. They probably do. Uh, yeah. They're absolutely gorgeous. They really do have like a fantastic energy. And yeah, they think they're probably really creative with their music videos for sure. And yeah, they have, they have so much style. And uh, shout out to Hannah's parents who helped make that happen. <laughs> Such cool people. Thanks for having sex. <laughs> Supportive You're parents. Nasty. Congrats um, on the sex. Okay, that <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that. All right. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll have links to uh, their future dates and shows as well in our show notes, as we always do. Thank you so much, Overcoats, for that pleasant surprise. All right, so uh, now what I've got playing underneath here is Talk, which is the song that Two Door Cinema Club opened with. And this song is, it is from, um, it is from False Alarm, is it not? I believe it is. Yes. It is from False Alarm, the new album. Okay. So uh, so they come out and they have a really cool, and if you go on our Instagram on our highlight, you'll see this. They have this really cool like opening sequence that it was like, I don't know, was it like, are you ready or something like that? Rhythm. I don't know. It was just, it was just cool. It was like very Portugal the man. Like, oh, when they not started to, like, out, they had like a countdown. I think it started yeah, like with five that. and it was like this like robotic techno. Yeah. It kind of also reminded me of like the Knox, which was really cool. Uh, yeah, they had like a Knox kind of clash with... Uh, Portugal the man energy going on when they came out it was was sick so yeah so most songs okay so um they were promoting um false alarm 
for this uh, particular tour. And um, so the aesthetic for <laughs> the aesthetic for False Alarm is this sort of like cyan blue and reddish orange uh, color scheme to where uh, Alex was actually wearing the blue suit and had the red microphone. Like they really want you to they really want to uh, drill this into your brain because literally every time they played a song from uh, the new album False Alarm, they would uh, use the they would employ the uh, the blue and red color scheme in their uh, sort of background uh, LCD. Is that what that would be display? Uh, which was like, OK, we get it. And I was like, this is a little basic. But I was like, ah, most people are basic. We need we need we need shit like that. Like we don't buy anything until we hear about it five times. So <laughs> I don't blame them for it. I don't blame them for like pulling the aesthetic together. And and I actually I don't know if you see this album cover I actually kind of like the aesthetic. I don't quite get it. But like there's like a phone hanging do I need to look up this album cover? Just look at like, yeah, look I at the album I cover. Just, right? Yeah, sure. Show the oh, album cover. Okay, I'm looking at it right do you now. See, did you is... see? Did you see the aesthetic and the show? Oh, this the blue is definitely and the red. yeah, with like all the horns and, and the, the hor- like danger signs. Yeah, remember and the vibrant colors. Right. Okay, now I'm really feeling this. Yes. I totally get. What's and going I don't on. quite get it, but there's something like very um, I don't know, like 1960s like uh, signage. You know what I'm saying? But just like general signage, like Isn't that danger, back, fire. I don't know. It's like very Mad Men advertising. It really is. It was like if Mad face. Men were going to do, a, uh, if Mad Men was going to do uh, the signage uh, for, you know, things that, that, that you actually, signage that you need, like is required by law. You know, like these are the stairs. This is where the Very loud exits are. in your face advertising. Right. But it's like kind of, it's like cool retro. And so I don't, you know, I, maybe I should have looked this up. I don't know. That would be interesting one. That'd be an interesting question to put on our Twitter, perhaps. I don't know what people think of the uh, the aesthetic. Yeah, of, sure. Uh, Follow uh, us on Twitter and uh, answer that question. Yeah, of uh, false alarm. Um, anyway, but that being said, most songs seem to be off of Tourist History, which is like their uh, real. That was their first album, and you know, seems to be the most successful one to date. Oh, yeah. Actually, there was a girl next to me who, like, just started screaming. She turns to me and says, I am freaking out. And I was like, are you all right? And she was like, they're just playing all their old stuff, and this is the third time that I've seen them. So that's like, you know, always play the crowd pleasers, right? Right. And um, if you hear a uh, scream now and then on some of my recordings, which I'll be playing underneath, um, throughout this set list whatever i've got if you hear screams well that's a friend of ours who was very uh excited to be there if you hear me <laughs> saying that i'm high yes oh, yeah. it was me i was very high <laughs> so uh so okay alex trimble so anyway so they play talk great from the new album and then he's like he goes good evening new york city and i was like what a classy guy <laughs> When his voice cracked, I was like kind of in shock because I've never heard him talk before or seen them live. So I always find that really funny when you go from this like loud crowd and then suddenly like they speak and you're like, you have a talking voice. Well, yeah, right after the song Talk, huh? Ah, ah. He's like, I'm a, good evening. Very okay. So I love Alex Trimble's voice, um, and and you could you, you catch this right away from talking. I remember saying this to Najuda. I was like, this guy has this like his voice feels like three hundred count, three hundred thread count sheets. It's like I totally screwed that up, but three hundred thread count sheets, just like soft and comfortable. 
and a little bit sexy and sexy um i don't really have to this is not what i would call in our last episode we we're talking about thinking bands versus bands that don't you don't have to think this is not a thinking type experience this is this is almost comforting but not in a but in an upbeat way it's really hard to explain i guess it's like a, a tussle in a 300 count 300 thread count sheets <laughs> talking about like when he talks or when when they're singing both yeah his you know, voice is the sheets and the music is the bed i i completely support that and i think it's like more or less they are you're not like how do i explain this you've got this energy of being with all the the background lighting and the show going on like you're kind of like sucked into it and it's almost like the same effect that like trance music has on you kind of go a little you know you're very concentrated Mm -hmm. and like you know dragged into that but also his voice is like keeps you like very level and you know so it's that experience yes you've got like a very stable steady mattress with like this like la 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 on top and then a bunch of fun stuff going on on those sheets that's kind of like the equivalent to the flashing lights. Would you say it's a pretty good metaphor? I would say that's a great metaphor, and that's why you, you know, smoke a little something and go to these shows, guys. It's I the mean, best experience. we really are the best people to make this podcast. Let's get real. Um, so then they played uh, Undercover Martin, which that is from Tourist History. Uh, oh, yeah. People went crazy for that one. Um, so then what was interesting after that song was, again, to uh, Alex Trumbo's classiness, so many a time I will see a, a singer take a moment to have a, a drink. And usually it's water. But if it's not, it's usually beer or a shot. Not this guy. He's got a glass of wine. Just holding it like that. You know? I was like, damn. He's classy. Or was, it, wh- was it that time that you bought a hot toddy? for one of the singers uh we went to go see what was that band yeah that was upstate, uh, upstate. yeah mara bought a hot toddy for uh for the girl in the in the band uh and she sat there with her hot toddy while she sang it was pretty sick which was also yeah very classy um but i bought it so i knew that was coming um this was like <laughs> well 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 sir um Something I just want to like point out though is, um, well, actually, I don't think we're so okay. You know what? Let me just go through this. Uh, so then there was I can talk. Uh, Are we ready, wreck? That's a that's a uh, a pretty um, uh, well loved song. We still got this is the life. Cigarettes in the theater next year. Okay, so here's what I started to think around cigarettes in the theater and next year. I, the reality is, is that I can't remember which album next year is off of, if you want to just check that. But the reality is, is about this band, and just something I want to point out if you're not familiar with them. And I know like diehard fans won't like when I say this, but next year kind of sounds like Undercover Martin, kind of sounds like what you know. Like, it's true. It has a... Well, it's one of their signature sounds. Uh, actually, the right. for the record, this came off Beacon, their second album. Right. So sometimes people com- make the complaint where they're like, all of these songs sound the same. Um, that isn't really true. Not all their songs sound the same. But it seems like they have, with this exception of this disco funk thing that's sort of been introduced in the latest album, seems like they kind of have like two tracks. Like I was saying, like the upbeat driving thing with that reggae sounding guitar and then like the more laid back sound, which you find in what we played at the top, something good can work. Um, so if you were to say next year, sounds like Undercover Martin, sounds like it sounds the same. You're not wrong. But you know what? 
Chuck Berry did that shit, and he's like a legend, True. right? So fuck it. It's okay. It's it's not. It's not. I wouldn't consider it a, a mark off of them unless you're like, I need all the songs to sound different. And there are bands that that do that. You know, I would say, in my opinion, Tame Impala's songs. I, I don't. I can't really think of two songs that like sound so much alike like this. But yeah, because these songs, there is a familiar song a sound to it. I think that like contributes to that feeling of we're upbeat and we're dancing. We're definitely not falling asleep out, out here, but we're feeling very relaxed and we don't feel like we have to think very hard. So that is the kind of experience I would say you could expect. And I think this is another element that lends itself to that. I think it's also hilarious that you will always have the part of the crowd that will find the song to create a mosh pit out of. Every oh, which one was time. it? You know what? I can't tell you. I don't really remember. Uh, but to the right of us it was like pretty tame and then before i knew it someone was falling into me and she was getting pushed over by like the little mosh pit that was getting started and it kind of went on for the rest of the night to be honest it's it's yeah and it's like i, I was really surprised by that because i was like i don't feel like moshing at all yeah i find that pretty i don't funny. feel like moshing at all yeah i, I really don't see tudor cinema club as a mosh band to be honest no i didn't understand it i i guess it gets some people really hype i don't know i guess if you're real nerdy and like you know, the most physical thing you did was like walk to the. Fr- it's okay, I'm being mean. But I don't know. Was it like "Are <laughs> You Ready" or something? Maybe was it that song? Uh, you know what? I think you might be right about that. It was like it was. It was very loud and like. Uh, yeah. That's probably their like I would say most hype song. I'd even want to say it's aggressive. It's like these. It's assertive. It's their most assertive song. It's very, it's, it's not, it's not passive at all, guys. It's very from, assertive. It's extremely assertive. Yeah, but it's, this does not come close to aggression. So that was a bit of a head scratcher. But you know what? Nobody got hurt. So that's the thing too. Is that like I'm not sure how long this episode will really be because I'm looking through the the set list here. I stopped it next year. We've got Do You Want It All Once, Bad Decision, Changing of the Seasons. These songs, i got to be honest with you, they fall in one box or the other box for me in terms of two-door cinema club. Um, so, uh, I don't know, two-style two, two cinema club. Um, so it's like nothing really stands out for me. Like, this isn't like when I went to see, for example, Tame Impala. I'm like, oh, when this song, and then this song, I had so much to say about the songs. I really don't. It's more of just like an overall experience seeing this band where it's just kind of like, you just kind of ride a wave. You just ride a wave. Um, but then we get to Dirty Air, and Dirty Air is off of the new album. And this is a perfect example and I believe I got a clip of it I hope to god I did um where uh it has that disco funk song and of course they put the blue and red in the back so that you know <laughs> this is from the new album um did you catch that that like sort of disco-y sound oh yeah absolutely okay. it was very prominent so that aesthetic we were talking about again this new album uh you know now I had seen it maybe five times I don't know it was really growing on me again it was like I don't quite totally understand it but it it does sort of remind me of like 1960s sort of public signage that's what I was looking for like signage for the public um and uh I don't know I I, I don't get it but I like it (laughs) I like it like if I was like a real nerd, like that's I would do that for Halloween. But like, what are you? I'm like oh, I'm the Tudor, Tudor Cinema, Cinema Club, Club, Club aesthetic. I'd say I'm the aesthetic. Um, 
actually, I'd be honest if I was a really big fan, I would love to show up to the concert dressed like that and the blue and orange. You know? I think they'd probably really get a kick out of that too. You know what I mean? Because they'd be like, oh, yes, yes, yes. She understands it. She's promoting the image. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up a little bit. And you know what? If I find a link about what what that whole look is about. I don't know why I'm so fascinated with this aesthetic. I don't know why. Because I don't through, understand it. Go through, read a couple um, interviews with them. You know what I, I mean? I will. Yeah, about the new album. I'm sure they have a bunch. You know, they're, I, they're pretty established indie as far as indie bands go. They're one of the bigger ones out right now. So I guarantee that Enemy or somebody has... Uh, some kind of interview with them after that new album. But you like this aesthetic, yes? I think it's fantastic, yeah. I'm a big fan of, like, very, like, vibrant, in-your-face. Uh, I like subtlety when it comes to, like, movies, but when it comes to music, I like it to be very much, like, on the surface, very in-your-face and just, like, out there. It certainly there. was very clear. Um, okay, so after Dirty Air, uh, they played that song, What You Know. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have it playing under here at all uh, right now. but we, For the record, I fucking love that song. It, it is, it is a, it's a great one, and it, it has that, that perfect example of that sort of like um, reggae-ish guitar that I like, but like sped up. I've always really, that's one of my favorite things about this band, that they have that. Um, okay, so this is what we were talking about when we talk about the no phone moment. This is one of their biggest songs, maybe the biggest. It's not my favorite song. Uh, mine is personally something good can work, but this is a lot of people's favorite. And, uh, so at the top of that song, uh, Alex Trimble requested that everyone, um, put their phones away and not film. Um, I sort of put my phone away. I uh, held it low to the ground and took an audio recording because I was like, well, I don't podcast. And anyway, no one could see it. It was low. It was like at my knees. He didn't really have a lot of faith in the crowd, I feel like. He kind of was like, come on, like, let's just have this one moment for us. Uh, you know, can we do that? Not even before he was done talking. There were people that had their Snapchats out. Right. They had their Instagram. And like, listen, guys, I'm very much into social media. Probably a little too much, especially on a Saturday night. But seriously... I do think that like more concerts should implement this. Like I'm not at saying, least like, one song. I'm not saying like lock it in a closet or whatever, or like confiscate it because that would make me really uncomfortable. But I do think that like so often now I'll go to shows and half the time I'm either worrying about whether the video is good on my phone or I'm just watching it through my phone. And they're like, why, why am I doing that? You know what though too? And it's like, I feel that way much more now I don't know James you feel that way but because we have a podcast and feel that kind of level of responsibility I feel that way even more so and I gotta be honest with you uh concerts that we go to that we're not gonna put on high decibels I almost kind of don't want to have my phone out I know we kind of should mm. but I mean I think for some like I think there's just gonna be some concerts where I'm just not gonna want to do it just be, be in the moment seriously you go and like how often do you get to see a band that you absolutely love I mean well actually like every week if you really want to but be in the moment experience your artist go out and support them you don't have to rewatch it and how often are you really rewatching these videos that you took it's right. just a posted on Instagram. I mean, and the thing, and the thing is too is like we, I do keep our our videos pretty short because they're just for stories or just snippets to get people interested. But like for example, there was a woman. I don't know if you noticed her. She's kind of short and stocky. She was like filming entire fucking songs, filming entire oh, the girl songs. In front of you with the dark hair. Yes. Oh yeah, the entire, entire thing. Songs. Wasn't like, enjoying dude. it at all. She was just like, I mean, she was a little shorter, so I think she also was like trying to use it like the screen to, to see. see. 
But this is why I gotta like make those hydraulic song, shoes happen. Every single song she was just record, record, yeah. record. And I'm like, you leave, and then how much of that did you actually watch see and watch right. and enjoy? And also like I like I love listening to music on Spotify. It's like, you know, my thing. I like I love building my playlists, but seeing music live so much better like that energy like it literally just goes through your body i want to be there in the moment not rewatching it also i never rewatch those videos it's just for instagram um i would say i watch other people's so i i i, I appreciate them but i would say like keep keep them short i'm not gonna watch more than like you know a one one round of the, the the circle on an instagram story do you know what i'm saying it's like that that's enough thank you i, I do want to see clips of it that's my personal opinion um and again i feel like a responsibility for um the podcast to take these videos and that kind of thing but i think that because i feel that now like i kind of have to do it there's just going to be shows where i'm like i'm not doing it you know and i don't know what shows that will be I'm more inclined to say it's going to be larger acts than smaller ones because I feel like the smaller ones really need it. And the smaller ones, if I, when I at them, they actually like post to their story. So they like that. Um, but the larger acts that need no publicity, they just don't need it. They don't care. So if we're not covering it and it's a big act, I, I probably won't. I don't know. I see your point. I see your point. Because it, it was, for me, I was like, there were moments I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot to do, because, you know, I'm like so in the moment and enjoying myself. And I was like, oh, crap, I should have got that on video. And I'm like, I don't want to feel that way at every single concert. Just the ones we're covering and like ones where the acts could really use the promotion. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I, uh, You know, in the past, I used to try and catch a couple clips to so exactly so I could post it on Instagram and I was always really bad about that too I mean the amount of shows that I wish I, I remember to keep clips from pick one that stands out was a passion pit one we went to a couple uh, months ago man I wish I still had a clip or you should have created that. a highlight should have done something with it yeah some but shows yeah. you yeah there were mitigating circumstances like I still watch I can be honest with you why I didn't you know save those clips but that's the one that I really really regret not having at least a handful of clips from like I still I still have uh, the Tame Impala clips, I actually posted one on the Izu group, you know, in reference to someone's like, who's seeing Elenium at MSG? I'm like, check this out. And I like posted it. And I'm like, I'm so glad I have that. But that was a rare instance. That Tame Impala show was like unique in that you don't get a light show like that every day. But yeah, I really don't need to be filming every concert, you know, again, especially if they don't need it. And I don't need it for for what we're doing. So it's a it's a good point and it's just something that I'm kind of like still kind of ironing out as to like where where I'm gonna stand on it but I hope you don't find my filming annoying if you're at a thing with me and it's for a show that's the thing I worry about the most because like be like put your phone and I'm like you don't understand I'm, I'm basically working I'm basically working for f nothing um you know so anyway that was kind of a cool moment so yeah so I, I actually I had my phone and I was recording, but I wasn't looking at it. I was like, just hit record, just at my knees and watch the show. It was great. I love that. It was a great moment. Um, okay. So after that, we had uh, Lavender. Um, if I'm like skating over any songs that had an impression on you, just jump in. But I don't remember much about that song other than I enjoyed it. I mean, I was really high. Okay. No, dude, I don't have to apologize, but I just want to make sure that you get your 
your words in. Then we had a song called Sleep Alone, which I don't remember what album that's off of either. I just went to this show last night, guys. That's give off me, their first album. Give me a break. Anyway, that's... Uh, that's our anthem. <laughs> and she doesn't... She literally turns to me and says, this is our anthem. Like, we got this. And I'm just like, I, I'm going to own it. I'm and, and then when I post, I post on Instagram, I was like, uh, is it okay if I make that public? Oh, and then she turns to the like really two cute guys next to us and <laughs> says, "This is our anthem." Like me and this girl, we're and fem like, cells. Are God you trying <laughs> to get us dates or trying to tell the boys that we this is our anthem that we're like super lonely? Yeah, but that means like. I'm sorry. Quick correction. That was off their second album, Beacon. Yeah. Okay, but you know what? The upside to that is like uh, we're probably pretty tight right now from last usage. Anyway, um, going on to the next song, Satellite. I'm gonna let that one settle. <laughs> listen, I've heard that after a certain amount of time, whatever. My family doesn't even listen to this. Whatever. Do your do your employers? No, they don't. But you know what? I didn't. There's nothing illegal about that. This is biology. And women should be free to talk about their bodies. There's no shame. Fuck yeah. <laughs> this has now become a feminist podcast. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about my vegan poetry. Now. Yeah. No, we have a little bit of the manosphere in here with, with James. It's like where feminism, where feminism and the manosphere collide. <laughs> See, this is this podcast. We're bringing we're bringing worlds together. We're bringing we. Uh, oh, oh, good lord! All right. So, uh, anyway, moving on in the set list, uh, satellite. Again, this is another song that's like fun, and I, for some reason, I have fancy written. To, I must have been really high at this point. I don't know what I meant by that. Um, fun and fancy. Um, I know I sound unimpressed, but I'm not. Um, it's just. Here's the thing, like, again, and I, I see that I wrote here, like, there's not a ton of standout moments. It's standout elements in the show. Not so, not so much musical moments that stood out for me, but just elements in terms of their aesthetic and, um, I don't know, just the sort of vi overall vibe that they create. And I think that's okay. It's like music I can dance to, and I absolutely mean that as a compliment. Um, then they played another song that's sort of in that what you know wheelhouse, uh, which was um, uh, "Eat That Up, It's Good for You." I believe that's also off the first album. Um, amazing visuals in there, and I couldn't film them because of that short girl who Can had I her phone up the whole time. Interject. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I just have to say that the song "Eat That Up, It's Good for You." So, like, I know that I'm really feeling a song when. Other than the fact that I'm really high, I like just feel it in my body. And I do have to say that that one, I remember thinking like this, this is gold. And like, Good. I was like really grooving to it. Shoulders down to my toes. I was just like really, really into that song. That was great live. Fantastic. That's cool. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that um, because you know what? I feel like that's what concerts are about is these sort of... Uh, good happy moments and it's yeah psa it's really good for your mental health you should do this at least once every two months yeah it's really good for the sunday scaries too absolutely or just be like me and go to like four a week you can't possibly keep up with james it's like trying to keep up with him drinking just don't don't try don't don't try <laughs> you can't what are you trying to say <laughs> that you are a tank <laughs> You're a pro. You're a powerhouse. Okay. So uh, then we had Come Back Home. Again, another song that, you know, it happened. I enjoyed it. 
whatever. I can't. Then was Something Good Can Work, which is my favorite. That's my favorite song. Uh, it's a crowd pleaser. Everyone loves this. It's honestly, to me, the song of theirs that kind of is the most unique, that kind of stands out. Does it have the little reggae guitar thing in it? Yes, it does. But it almost sounds like there's a ukulele in the beginning of that song. And I they didn't have one, but I... I, I love this song i like to work out to it would you say it's the most iconic yes and the reason for that too what i love about it is in that song is that there's a togetherness in it because there's uh okay so there's a moment that the lyrics are like take a little time to make a little better and then like in the song itself there's a group of people that go it's only going up and um when that line comes up live, everyone does it. It's so fun. Yeah, they played that when I saw them a couple of years ago too, and it yeah. was yeah, that was a big big crowd. I and think they closed the set when I saw them with that one. And so. it's it's uplifting, you know. It makes you feel good. It's a song about. It's an optimistic song. Like, you know, anytime you're trying to do something that is hard, like, you know, popping up your uh, you you your squats or your deadlifts or whatever and it's miserable like that song is uh that song is on the money for that i love it and the crowd really knows it and and so there's this bridge in the song where there's like just a lot of like crowd noise and whatever that gets everyone really hyped and it's funny in, in that point there's this actually like woohoo you know what i'm talking about a little bit of blur moment there but you, you but you know be you know that part in the song? Yeah, of course. So someone actually in the crowd did it, like right at the right moment. Nice. I you like know? that, yeah. Woo! I forget where it is. It's like after measure four or something, but anyone who's a fan knows what I'm talking about. It's just some, it's like some crowd noise in, in the actual recording. Uh, so fantastic song. My favorite. So pleased to hear that live. I just love it so much. And then... Uh, the final song that they that they did was Sun, um, which is off of the James. Do you know? Which yeah, album? that's off the new album. That's become the big hit single. That off the song new album. is yeah. a. That's a good one. And you know what? I, but you know what I love more than anything about it. So there was a sort of like epicness in it that there isn't uh, in really the other songs. Sort of like these sort of like sweeping synths and that sort of thing. And what I loved about it was. I mean, the song, but what really struck me, honestly, I am a very visual person. I know I sound like a guy when I say, I'm a very visual person, but I really am. I'm really into aesthetics. I'm really into style. And behind them was like this beautiful, like 80s, like neon type color scheme that just reminded me so much of like, I remember I used to have like when I would like visit my grandma, she used to have this like old school, like playset that was like you know, the poor man's version of Barbie. I think they're called the Sunshine Family. But it was like that. <laughs> but, but they, so they, yeah, because they were cheaper. And it was like this plastic house and it had those colors, like that orange and that yellow, because they were the Sunshine Family. Um, the orange and the yellow and like the, the tacky colors that you would like only ironically put in your home now. But like very, I. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say whether that's like 60s or 80s. I don't know. 60s, but I would say I would say overall the the vibe of it. You know how like synthwave kind of has its own aesthetic. It was very much that aesthetic, but also very Malibu Barbie, but also very Miami Vice. Like just like break. You just need to see it. It's just like it's gorgeous. And I, again, I don't know that it's on our Instagram because 
I had a little bit of blockage there visually, which is why I usually try to get in the front row because that shit always happens. Um, but I did my best and I don't know. Did you notice it? Did you notice it? I didn't notice it too much, to be honest. Oh, that God, just I could be so like the way that I grew up maybe being a factor. No. <laughs> really? Oh, God. See, like that. Oh, God. I loved that fucking aesthetic so fucking much. Yeah, guys, and then the sun know. came up at the beginning of the song. You saw that, right? And then the sun went down at the end of the song, like in the background. Oh, yeah. That was like making the audience like having the sun set in their minds. Like, <laughs> oh, God. It was so beautiful. It's such a beautiful. Looks like you guys, like, Tudor Cinema Club. You know, you're not listening, but, you know, if someone like wants to tell them who's less important, please tell them to like never, ever stop doing that aesthetic. In fact, I want them to do an entire album with that. I know they're doing the blue and, and, and red right now. Oh, if they like did that aesthetic, I would just die. It just like triggered something in me. I'm sorry. I know I'm being like ridiculous, but um, anyway, so yeah, very enthusiastic crowd. That was the end of the show. And then they played Holland Oates's, um, uh, you make my dreams come true, and a twice, and uh, a spontaneous dance party broke out. What, like over the radio? Yeah, you that's, know the accent music. Cool, yeah, yeah. People like usually people just walk out. People were literally dancing, and it was so crazy. It was like whoever's doing the soundboard was like, "Let's do that one again," and he played it a second time. People kept dancing to it. But you know what? I'm gonna just throw this out here, uh, and I'm really curious to hear your thing on this, James, because I know that you take this stuff very seriously, as do I. So, uh. Let's talk about why there was not an encore and the crowd. Oh just yeah, that kind was weird. Broke up, like, and I don't think it was just for us because if you like looked at the set list for like when they played in DC recently, same. But like, I don't know. Like to me, I've always known that if an artist like if people are really into it and like you don't get encored, that's like not a good sign. And like the fact that people were just so easygoing about it, like. Oh, they're done. Okay. I well, mean, they put the lights didn't up let right away. Lindsay Sterling do that when she stepped off. The crowd did not break for a second. Every show I've ever been to, whether it was like, you know, a big venue, a little ben- venue, people don't just accept that. They just wait for an encore. This crowd surrendered instantaneously. I found that weird. James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if they turn the lights on, like what Mark said, then I'm not surprised that the crowd just left. I've been to a handful of shows where they just don't really do encores. The only thing I went um, to was Bag Raiders, where they flat said, we don't do encores, yeah. we're just going to keep playing yeah. for a little bit longer, which didn't bother right. me. I was like, good. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw go. out it, 20 songs. It's a pretty long set, too. So maybe they're right. just like, listen, we're just going to do a this really long set do. instead of a encore. I honestly don't remember whether or not they did one when I saw them a couple of years ago. So. I'm inclined to think that this is part of their plan only because every time you look at, you know, if you if you look, go to set list, which we use all the time, setlist.fm, and you look back on prior set lists, you know, I've never seen this before. Um, whenever I look at past shows, there's always, always an encore. And what I'm noticing on this tour is there's no encores. And I don't know why. But like, okay, so first question is like, how do you know the etiquette of a show when it comes to an encore before you're there? Like, how did everyone know to just walk around? Because I, I, I think they it. were looking at prior set list and also like, for example, there is a well, sub. The lights came on, you know, that's usually the lights a sign came the on. Out. Usually they'll keep the lights off. They'll keep the lights off and people will cheer. But when they turn the lights on and the exit music, we done. Yeah. Here's the, here's the question. When did the set end? 
Uh, that's a good question. Was it ten thirty-five? I want to say it was a quarter to eleven. It mm. wasn't even eleven yet. So no. it might have been. It might have just been. Uh, Hammerstein might have a curfew. That's I mean, that's often part of it. Yeah. So maybe they're just like, listen, we we just played a long set and it's close to the curfew. But what's interesting so. though is when I saw now maybe bands book for more time if they want to go later because uh, Rackentour has played till eleven thirty. Mm, interesting. Okay. So I think that this band, this is this is my opinion because I think that you know especially like considering this band is so big, they have their own subreddit. Which uh, hopefully we'll put a link to our show there. Yeah, let's try and post it there. <clears throat> um, you know, people talk to each other and whatever. You know, like, do you see the show? Da 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 da, and like stuff comes out and blah, blah blah. No encore, and maybe just from like crowdsourcing that stuff and knowing on this tour they haven't been playing encores people just kind of knew. Like I kind of, I would have been actually because of what I saw in prior set list, I would have been surprised if there'd been an encore as pleasantly i would have been very oh, happy i was ready to like do the whole one more song chant i would have been very I happy was, like, i got one clap in and i was like oh everyone's just walking away I but it was I'll my understanding it was my understanding i was like this isn't this isn't going to happen for some reason they're not doing it um so yeah that that was a, a little bit strange but um you know we tried to make up for it with our uh hall and Oates dance party afterwards at which point it was like telling one or two people like you a hall and oats fan yeah uh don't see him live daryl hall's lost it oh shit did i say that i don't know listen go watch recent shows from hall and oats on youtube and judge for yourself i tried to show it to james and he made me turn it off after two minutes yeah it was pretty rough <laughs> it's like I can't which is a shame i would have really liked to see them in their heyday but now it's just like oh I, my I, god I he's like i can't watch this. he's like hurt me in my heart he's like marley stop so uh anyway that was a great time okay so listen i'm gonna close this out with uh what you know which was the secret song that i recorded uh clandestinely um all right so uh since we're closing out we're gonna throw out again follow us on instagram and twitter uh for more information about shows clips and pics all that good stuff um what was the question that we posed before the question that we post and by the and, and the handle for our Instagram is, at High Decibels Podcast. Uh, the question was, how do you feel about the uh, False Alarm uh, album cover aesthetic? Oh, right, right, right. So I'm gonna post that on Twitter. Uh, feel free to answer along, give us some feedback. Uh, we'd love a little bit of a interaction with anybody that's listening to this. All, all eight people that we send this to, that are kind enough to listen to this for us. Well, we'd love a little bit of feedback there, and also follow us on iTunes and Spotify. Freaking talk to us. Yes, please do. All right. Thanks for listening again to this episode of High Decibels, and we will talk to you later. And thanks for coming. Thank Nijude. you, Najud. It was so great to be here. Yeah.